Wagwan World. You already know what it is. The vulnerable are powerful. The most gangster thing you could do is serve. And the second most gangster thing you could do is turn into the All The Way Live podcast. That's what this is. That's where you are. That's who we is. It's your boy, Miles Xavier. I'm here with my brothers, like Gala. What a time. What a time. What a time. And as always, welcome everybody to the All The Way Live podcast, man. We do this podcast over here every week for the sole purpose of being a space of positivity and a space of information for people. We dedicate our time and our research capabilities and knowledge to create carefully curated content for your cranium. And we do it absolutely every week, man. And we say it because we know, and the only reason we do this, Miles Xavier, is because we know people is going through it, man. People is people is really in difficult situations or just need a little bit to get by. I needed some of that this week. You know, one of those weeks where you, you, you're just looking for something that can get you to push on by, man. And if we can be that, if this show can be that for one person, if this show can be that for 10 people, for 10,000 people, it don't matter to us, man. Everybody is welcome. Welcome to the show. Big facts, big facts, strange times, man. I started this week off listening to Marvin Gaye. I finished it off listening to Gunner, right? You never know. This is a dynamic show what you're going to get. And part of what makes this show so dynamic is that every week Exeter is in the building by way of Johannesburg with my boy's way over there. The background continues to become more illustrious. You know what I'm saying? To illustrate his personality. We got some foliage. You know what I'm saying? I see it like a whiteboard. I see some tasks and objectives. I see some flowers, some art. You know, I'm always appreciative of the personality. I see the Sade shirt over there. That's a nice little flavor. You, you got boy. Nice? You boy. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to the YouTube audience that gets to soak in all of that flavor. Shout out to the audio audience that can appreciate us auditorily. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to the auditorium. That's what we call it. Yeah, audience. we got a lot of people that's listening to us through uh, through SoundCloud. Can we please remind y'all to our SoundCloud family because that's where we live. You see the playlist coming out on SoundCloud. You see us dropping content. You see us uh, engaging the community over there, man. So be sure to check out our SoundCloud playlist links that will be dropping absolutely every week. We put those into the descriptions. Another one is coming up. Um, we do this because we are passionate about music. We do it because it is fun, man. It is so fun to uh, to to just watch the community grow. Major facts, major facts. And so before, without further ado, you know what I'm saying? Chicago is in the building. I want to get back to music, though, but I got to finish the intro. You know how we do it. This podcast is recorded on stolen land. This land here in Chicago was cared for by the Potawatomi people, the Council of the Three Fires, and the violence done to remove them from this land that I call home, that I love, that I am humble and happy and grateful to be able to serve in. Uh, the, the violence done to remove them from this land is inseparable from, from the violence that we see in this city today, the violence that we see in this country today, and the violence that we see in this world today. So as we do every podcast, we lift up love for indigenous people the world over. We lift up love between black and brown people the world over. The intro's over. We getting into the show, man. Kids official sliding on the instrumental Nordic combos, twist your mental life forbidden jitsus. My clicks initial. The funk is undeniable, man. You know, sometimes, sometimes you cannot. The vibes are on a train, and sometimes you might have your little intentions, and you step onto the tracks, and the vibes you will not yield. And that's that's how it should be, man. That's my, my bad, bad, man. I was, no, I, I was, I was for cutting you off like that, dude. I'm so eager to press that button. My bad. <laughs> no, we quick with the triggers because we've we've put a lot of work into into making this a a beautiful experience for y'all. So we're always happy to deliver that. But I just wanted to show a little bit more appreciation for everybody that checked out the Nas review. That video blew up a little bit, bubbled a little bit for us. So if you checked out that Nas Magic review. We, we are cool with you. You are a friend of the show. We appreciate that. If you haven't, go check that out, man. Our album reviews be on point. Uh, yes, sir. Stumble yeah, the man. Like, it's crazy because this whole show really started with us 
discussing hip hop, like just for real, for real, just spending hours of having conversations around hip hop. And for that to, for that to be the video that pops off most, one, I think is, is cool. You know, I think it's cool that that's what that is. And that's how this show started. So, you know, we try to keep things hip hop as much as we can. So, you know, for, for it to be the Nas review too, man, what, what a cooler review. Makes sense. Makes, Makes sense. all the sense. Makes all the sense in the world, man. So, but man, and that's and that's always notable because sometimes it feels like not much makes sense in this world, G. And uh, you know, you hate to be kicked when you're down, but it seems like we continue to lose giants, man. Mm-hmm. You know, people that are, are are pivotal to to at least my my growing up, my my understanding of of the world around me. Um, yeah, man, let me, let me not beat around the bush. Rest in peace to, to Sidney Poitier, mm-hmm. uh, a legend, uh, an actor and the activist, uh, a pioneer, uh, man, it is, it is this one, this one hit me in the gut. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, Miles, you're, you're very well versed in, in black arts history, right? So, City points here is, is really sad. Let me not let me not say sad and speak honestly, right? It deaths like this cause you to reflect on somebody's impact. And when you look at the depths of how much um someone like Sydney Portier, the influence and impact that they've had on um just entertainment, right? And black entertainment specifically is quite grand. So it it's let's say black culture and black entertainment is always at the forefront of entertainment, right? It has been like that for a very long time. And this man was instrumental in that from the movie sense and as film lovers and as movie lovers and people that appreciate the the art of filmmaking, uh, uh, this is uh, a, a good loss to the, a, a good loss to, to the, to the long list of legends that, that we have with us in this particular form. For sure, man. For sure. And it hurts, man. It hurts, bro. But it's also like, you know, this man died at, at 94, you know, and that's a beautiful uh, yeah. a, a life well lived. You know, we should all strive to to be so fruitful. Right. This man not only entertained uh, generations, he he was an activist. Right. He fought for our agency, for our civil rights. Uh, man, it's 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 incredible. G. So. Uh, in his passing, you know, I was, I was, I was coming across some of the stories of some of the amazing things he did. There's a story where, uh, he and Harry Belafonte, who was uh, one of his closest friends, right. Uh, they had $70,000 that they were going to, they were going to deliver to who they delivering it to, uh, the student nonviolent coordinating committee, SNCC, right. The leader of SNCC, James Foreman. And, they needed the money within 72 hours. So Harry Belafonte and Sidney Poitier, uh, two giants of the culture at the time, threw the money literally in a bag, uh, went to deliver it to to uh, James Foreman and were confronted on their way by members of the Ku Klux Klan. Right. Who confronted them violently with guns. Right. Uh, so like this man was about it. This man was on the front lines of of the civil rights uh, struggle from from the perspective of being a cultural icon. Right. And being very uh, intentional about the way that he chose his role. So, yeah, man, this is this is one of them. That's big, man. That's that, that's that's so big. And that's how you're supposed to do it. That's how you're supposed to do it. When when you're when you're part of the movement, you're part of the struggle and you've got it and a plan needs to be to be made. You you, you take that duffel bag, you stuff it with whatever you can put together and you put that forward. And you put that forward. That's cool to see. And the adoration that you see coming and pouring from Sydney Poitier. I remember Oprah was asked, um, who do you look up to? And in, in who who do you look up to? Because everyone looks up to Oprah in terms of how to hold themselves and how to present themselves professionally. Um, and asked, nice, uh, who do you look up to? And she said, Sydney Poitier. She said, that is, I, that is to me, the epitome of what, uh, elegance and and of what presentation and form and and power held 
in the right ways looks like and standing for something and being willing to to do that in a very graceful and elegant manner man so it's, it's definitely hey, look at that look at that brother look at those two harry about yo no cap that kind of looks like us i don't want to i don't want to say we, i don't want to say we're city portier and, and belafonte but like, I'll, nah, I'll take it <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Yo, hazelnut and chestnut, the OG for real. You know what I'm saying? I will. I will take it. But yeah, man. I and and that is that is. I mean, I love that you brought in. You know what Oprah had to say. This 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 is a giant for real because he influenced giants, right? He moved the a community, including other icons, other people of influence, right? Martin Luther King said that this is a man of great depth a man of great social concern, a man who is dedicated to human rights and freedom, right? What does that say when when there are other icons that that hold you up in this high regard, man? But um I knew him as I knew him as uh Buck from Buck and the Preacher. You know what I'm saying? I knew him as Mr. Tibbs from In the Heat of the Night. Um I knew him from A Raisin in the Sun. I knew him from Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Uh, this man's this man's filmography is crazy, crazy. A patch of blue, two sir with love, no way out was a film that um I discovered uh through a film class uh at U of I. Uh, shout out to Professor Sundiata, and it was like, man, this dude took on the weight of being. The Jackie Robinson of Hollywood, right? The first black man to break through and have the opportunity to play uh, the the leading man in a positive way as a black, as an African American in in the nineteen fifties and sixties. Like the way that he took the weight of that on, and every all of those eyes, all of those expectations, uh, and carried that with such grace is just continues to inspire me, man. So, yeah, I mean, we're speaking of the person that had the first. Um, the first of many black things to be done on cinema, right? Um, that being including the first black man to kiss a white woman on, on, on camera. Also the first black man to strike a white man on camera. That's a fun fact. And then there was a, a pretty uh, cool classic scene where Sidney Poitier, I forgot the, his co-actor at that time, where um, he's washing his feet, right? He's washing his feet, lets him sit down and he washes his feet. And that was the first time that was seen on on camera as well so it's always cool to know who are the people that broke through and allowed for what is now you know the freedom of expression that we enjoy to the to the most part oh man i love i love those firsts that you brought in man those like because yeah that is miles you're also the first one to uh kiss a white woman on screen in this friendship so you you've got a lot in common with sydney portier Wow. <laughs> look at the look at the uh look at the tall tales that get mixed up with, you know, when you when you have when you have figures that have this much influence and you know, some fiction always gets mixed up with the uh with the stories. But you know, you you, you take that as it comes, right? You take that as it comes. Uh but what's not fiction is that Sidney Poitier was the first uh black man to win best actor to get an Academy Award for that, for Lilies of the Field in 1964. Uh, and that was the same year that the Civil Rights Act was ratified, right? So this man's career has been uh, indivisible from the civil rights movement and and, and from that struggle, right? Uh, he also won the American Film Institute Lifetime Achievement Prize in 1992 and the Screen Actors Guild Life Achievement Award in 99. Uh, so this man did live to see himself get some of the flowers that he deserved, but not enough could be said about his contribution to to the culture. Um, like this, this is a man that was there for the for the "I Have a Dream" speech, right? That attended the Martin March on Washington. Um, yeah, man. So and th- and those are the people that stand right behind Dr. King as they speak. You know, just if uh, if proximity to to the the man is any indication of the, the proximity to the cause the f- fun fact too you know as you, and you took that picture down but you could tell those two were some players back in the day you could tell it specifically <laughs> harry belafonte harry belafonte Yo. dated um dated and i believe married miriam makeba in south africa who at the time was the the first or let's say African pop star almost, right? And he went there and he he done grabbed himself a little something, something, you know, or whatever the however that transpired. But I'm just saying you can tell also like Harry, like Sidney Poitier was that dude. 
<laughs> like, yeah, he, he was hey, that. Ask your grandma about Sydney Porty. They'll tell you. Big facts. Big facts. I'm glad I took those two dapper gentlemen's pictures down before we got into the uh, the extended folklore, right? I'm not sure if all of those stories are canon. They might be. Maybe they're not. But I love, I love just that. Yeah, man, these are real people. There's so much humanity um, to both of these these gentlemen, right? And to get that is so much to give, right? As as I was saying before, right? That we had so few opportunities to look up to to these folks, and so Sidney Poitier speaks extensively on being intentional about choosing his roles and choosing to be. Uh, he's I'll use his words, right? He said, "I felt very much as if I were representing 15 million, 18 million people with every move I made." Right. Taking on the weight of the black community and knowing that he had to represent how he represented them was how a lot of people were going to see them, especially a lot of white Americans who very purposefully lived lives that were separate. Right. From black mm-hmm. folks. Um, so th- my, I just go ahead. My question for you, Miles, is like, is that responsibility still something that is deserving to be to be held as a celebrity? Right. Like at, at what we see our Sydney Portiers and we see, um, you know, the whole list of, of, of celebrities that we saw, Muhammad Ali. Uh, we're, we're seeing uh, Jackie Robinson, as you have put it, like, but a lot of at the time being a being a, a black celebrity. You, you you had to you had to stand for a cause. Right. And we've seen over time uh, a lot of the judgment that has come from celebrities from a athletes and let's say the the epitome of black celebrity is that oh he doesn't do this for the community he doesn't um impact the community in a way and that was a big criticism that they had on michael jordan right incorrectly but nevertheless that was a loud criticism that they had like yeah jordan was great but what has he done for black people right and they even addressed that in the in the jordan documentary but like you think about celebrities today and you ask yourself man do they have to also be these social conscious heroes in our space i think so there's not the same not in the same way not in the same way that like when harry belafonte was taking leading roles he was the only black man that was had the ability to eat to or had the option right to take those roles so if you're the only representation then it does fall on you and that's 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 kind of unfair right and we've seen people have move into that space, Tiger Woods, right? For for better or worse, black people's expectations, hopes were projected onto Tiger Woods. And mm-hmm. he had to carry that weight, right? When you're the first to break into a space, for sure, that that that's on you, right? Um, so it has to be. You're saying like if you're the if it's if you're the first, it's incumbent on you to to take up a to take up that 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 fight and make it about opening doors if you're the first they won't get they won't you 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 don't have a choice really right if if you're the first then you're gonna have to confront racism personally a lot of people don't a lot of people don't a lot of people skate around it like who who the who the first black person to do anything that didn't that skated around racism i mean (laughs) and how (laughs) two words Michael no, Jackson like, certainly did not skate around right. I'm being facetious. I'm being facetious, obviously, right? But if I'm thinking about it in a, a practical sense, forget just superstarting. Let's say you you're the first uh black person in a corporate space, right? There's a lot of ways that people can just maneuver around it. That was the same criticism that they had for um for uh, o- o- OJ. Sure, but OJ OJ's a OJ's a great example of somebody who you can't say that OJ didn't have to confront racism, right? But OJ OJ chose to engage as minimally as possible with that racism as like until until the issue of race was brought into his life and came to the center because of his own actions, right? But it's inescapable. You can't you can't escape it, right? I'm not cuz yeah. we both understand what we mean when I'm not black, I'm OJ. We both understand that that's the fallacy in that, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I get that. I get that. But I'm just saying that you said who's been able to skate around, skate around it. But I, there's been a lot of 
prominent celebrities who have not taken up that mantle per se and have been able to leave that responsibility and distance themselves under the guise of um under the guise of just like hey man listen might mess up my money that's not what really what i'm trying to do right now i'm, I'm gonna stay clear i'm gonna stay cool and a lot of people have done that a lot of like drake i just feel like this <laughs> you can't do that i don't think that's true either i don't think that's true either i think i don't think that's true either did this dude give out a million dollars on a on a video i don't care if it was just like a hype video he still did it you know what i'm All saying right, so- but so there's so there's levels, right? And there's 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 a there's levels to I'm a, I'm a but check this out, check this out, right? There's levels to this. There's I'm a black first or a black uh biggest, right? Where I have in a very significant amount of influence as the first black person in a space or the the biggest draw in a space. I can choose to let my blackness and success be the extent of my contribution to the culture or i can decide that both my my blackness my success and my money are my contribution to the culture or i can say that my blackness my success my money and my voice are my contribution to the culture i can say that my blackness my success my money my voice and i'm willing to put my life on the line i'm willing to put those other things at risk for the culture and for my community there's levels to this thing so we can talk about somebody who's willing to put their money on the line and give away money. We can talk about somebody who's giving away that money to give, just giving it away, right? Philanthropy in general. We, no, no, of course not. But 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 I'm but they're not. But when we look at their body of work next to their their body of contribution to a culture and society next to a Sydney Portiers, we're not we're not talking about people that are in the same class. Okay, so if you're giving money, if you're giving money and you're you're sponsoring a cause of whatever nature it is, let's take away blackness out. Let's take blackness out of it and expand and be inclusive with the conversation, right? Okay. The person that pays for the person that pays for the impact and the person that's on the ground doing um doing the 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 hard labor, doing the Miles Xavier work, you know what I'm saying? Taking sure. food boxes, carrying it, meeting the people, shaking the hands, that's the do I, I don't like they're definitely different in their contribution towards it, but I believe that there's many different ways that somebody can help a movement and not everybody can be frontline frontline soldiers. Not everybody should be frontline soldiers, but I can look at the resources that a person has and I can look at how much what percentage of those resources are they willing to contribute to a movement. Right. So if all I have is my hands and I'm willing to wake up every day and go be out using my hands to uplift the community by moving boxes, by supporting food pantries, by supporting my school, my local schools and health clinics, then that is me giving all that I can give with my two hands. If I have billions of dollars and I give a few thousand to a cause, I'm using, you know what I mean? How much of my resources am I am I using? We appreciate that $2,000 and we know who to give it to. That's going to really, that's going to make the most of that $2,000. But we can't say that you're on the same spectrum as the person who's devoting all of their resources and finances. It gets tough because how much are, how, who is giving so much that it's at their detriment? Who's keeping themselves out of the next tax bracket with their giving? Who's keeping themselves out of financial and economic opportunities for themselves with their giving? That's a level of contribution that I can I can be willing to talk about, but just giving anything doesn't mean that you're on the same level as somebody who's giving their all. Yeah, yeah, but it gets it gets a bit tricky, especially when people look at let's say the the mega rich, right? And then you start pocket and then you start um, pocket counting in that way, which is not entirely fair. For instance, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is the most philanthropic, personal funded foundation ever in the history of foundations right like they what they've been able to give in terms of their dedication to the polio vaccine in terms of toilets in rural areas in africa and just in ter- total amount of money spent in the research right through their one million dollar uh competitive prize that type of thing but let's say in totality they've given five billion. also they started and initiated what is now called the billionaires pledge where billionaires like warren buffett Billionaires like Mark Cuban have said that when I die, half of everything that I have is is immediately going to 
uh, is immediately going to the cause, right? It's immediately going to the fight. But if you compare what it is, even half of what they give, it's almost doesn't compare to how much it is that they have. But those are still the same people that are giving more than everybody. So I'm always very conscious and, and I'm always very careful when it comes to checking how much somebody gives based on what it is that they have, especially if what it is that they're giving might be more than what a lot of other people are giving. That's fine. But to whom much is given, much is expected. Right. And so and and and, and given might not even be fair in, in that scenario. But there's reasons why Bill Gates is able to earn the amount of money that he earns. Right. And I'm not and I, this this for sure started far away from Bill Gates. And I don't want it at any point to be an attack specifically on Bill Gates. Whatever you think about Bill Gates, he has he has brought the issues that he cares about to the forefront and put a significant amount of money behind it with intention. Right. That's more than I can say for some of the people that we were previously discussing in comparison to someone like Harry Belafonte or Sidney Poitier, who who have certainly made that contribution. There are people who give money, but not with not in any way that allows you to understand the issues that they really care about and the con and contributing to that in a way that really invests in progress. There's philanthropy for the sake of philanthropy and tax breaks. And then there's people that we can understand have a record of giving to a specific cause and being vocal about a specific cause in a way that we can understand that they're truly invested in that cause. You see, and I think we stumbled on a very interesting conversation here regarding like what actually like philanthropy is, right? What does it actually mean to give um, in a philanthropic, in a philanthropic way? What, is and I think what you're your your what you don't like about the giving of money element of it is because it misses a key integral part in <laughs> what I don't want anybody to think I don't like the giving away of the money. We need that. The only thing I don't like is the I don't when giving of money is great. Giving of money is is important. Giving of money is the way that some people need to and should be contributing to whatever issues that they see in the world. But when you put giving money up next to giving more than that, putting your life on the line, giving your voice, lifting up, foregoing opportunities for yourself to give others opportunities and give them the opportunity to use your platform, then giving money doesn't look so good. Only in that light. But by itself, like, but there's nothing wrong with giving money. The 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 main thing that the giving money part really does miss a lot of the times is that there's so much value that is there when you meet the people that you're helping, when you are meeting them face to face and you share a space, because a lot of the times people want to be heard. People want to be told that they matter. People want to be able to engage with people, especially those that they admire from a, a, a seemingly higher stature to sit down, break bread and conversate and understand and be empathetic and listen and listen and truly, truly feel what this person is feeling. And then not necessarily searching quickly to give a solution, because that's also where a lot of people, that's, that's also where a lot of people mess up in, in that realm. And you see it a lot in these um, charity spaces and you see it a lot in these, uh, in these impact spaces is that somebody will come into the space and immediately be like, okay, well, me, well, we're going to solve all of this. It's like, uh, that's, that's the right energy, right? That is the right energy, but that's not the reality of what is going to be lasting because one, you don't want to create the expect, you don't want to create an expectation. People will take advantage of that expectation. People are going to take advantage of that expectation. So you want to be careful in the expectation that you, um, in the expectation that you set, but still, presence and time time is that big one right money money can help the people that are on the ground have more time doing it definitely but nothing can replace the va the time value of sitting with somebody going through it and being able to share love with them and let them know like nah you'll get out of this you'll get out of this. for sure for sure and not everybody is willing to make that investment not everybody can make that investment um, but I think it's when we see somebody who does make that investment and, you know what I mean, is do, ha, is is iconic. Right. We got to we got to lift that up for sure, for sure. 
Um, Definitely. And on that note, speaking of lifting up iconic people who are down for the cause, who are making that investment, I can't believe I started this podcast without congratulating you, my brother. Absolutely. Congratulations to you. Miles Xavier over here is now, in fact, the project program director at the University of Chicago's Violence of Youth Prevention Center. I'm calling it now because he's too, uh, Miles is too too much of a gentleman to ever say anything like this, but this definitely makes him the youngest person. In my, if, if I have to look back at the people that have occupied that space before, he has to be the youngest doing it, man. Um, you, you are a, you're an example to me. You are somebody I look up to when it comes to this, uh, this impact work. You, uh, you, you really do set the pace in our groups and in the work that we do. So, man, just to see you, just to see your star just rise as fast as it is, is, is a beautiful, beautiful thing, man. So, I have to congratulate you with the family, uh, with the with the all the way live family, because we promised them growth and we promised them that we'll continue to share our wins with them and share our our challenges with them. And in that, man, this is a this is a celebrate celebratorious moment. Uh, it always it always feels funny whenever there's like a like a real like a like a professional like milestone or like a you know like a one that is like a normal milestone if that makes sense because my day-to-day life is just like feels like the reward in itself right the fact that I get to come come to this space every week to talk to you the fact that I have you and the, and the fam is in, in South Africa as part of my support system. Uh, that Live Nation is a part of my support system. Uh, that my family is a is an incredible support system of itself. That part of the people that lift up Chicago in this community. Like the fact that I spend my days interacting with those people um, and building with people as part of my job feels like the reward. So whenever there's like something else to celebrate, it feels just like like too much, you know, but I take it, you know what I'm saying? Uh, so it's, so it's, it's, so I, I just, I approach this new year, this, this, you know, little upgrade with um, humility and, and the intention to, to always put the work first, put the people first. Um, and yeah, I don't know. They, they go, I guess they, we're going to keep up in these titles until the, until the way we talk gets us in trouble. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but you know, we invite we invite that we invite new challenges we invite uh increased scrutiny because uh this is the truth you know what i'm saying and and the truth can change and adapt and grow uh but we are really trying to bring you us figuring this world out in real time us taking our honest shot at at being as empathetic as possible extending and stretching that empathy to the betterment of of communities and and the betterment of the world so um Welcome to it. Shout out to you and everybody out there that is that's doing big things. Shout out to anybody out there that just got a promotion, that just mm-hmm. got some good news, that just got over a sickness, uh, that that is outside enjoying a sunny day. Anybody who has a reason to be happy, uh, we are in spirit and in conversation and in community together. Shout out mm-hmm. to you. Uh, and shout out to you, my brother, for lifting me up. Appreciate it. Amen. And the way we appreciate the people that listen to this podcast is by making carefully curated content, especially through this next segment. Growth. Yes, sir. With an F. <laughs> Girth? Hmm? <laughs> Growth. Yo, what are we talking about? Hey, man. So what we're talking about today, the particular topic we're talking about today, our current news, I came across this article. I came across this article, and it said that Christianity continues to decline among U.S. Adults. A recent study that was conducted has shown that the number of Americans that are participating in church-going activities or who identify as uh, Christians, Protestants, and Catholics is decreasing, right? The number is decreasing. Now, it, it's first of all, when I first saw that, I, was, it, I wasn't particularly surprised about it, but I did think it was an interesting 
conversation to be able to have, especially now because the many the many people that we run into are are talking about spirituality and people are tuned in to trying to understand what that means to them. I heard Mercury's in, in retrograde, right? You know what I'm saying? And <laughs> like, that's, that's part of, that's part of the, the challenge in today that you see a lot of people facing. So it was a, a cool article to come across and uh, did a little bit of research behind it, see what my brother thinks about it and see if maybe there's a way that we can help uh, this organization get their numbers up. <laughs> that's funny because as as a show that that airs on sundays right shout out to the audience that's coming back from church you know what i'm saying uh hi mom <laughs> you dig me that's that's important right so yeah uh it's funny that you say like it's not surprising um and not to a- answer a question with a question but has has christianity has christianity uh declined among you as you've gotten older over the past 10 years Ooh, nice. Now we get to now we get to now we get to have the real conversation, right? About where about our relationship with Christianity. And you pointed it out that we both grew up in a very similar um in a very similar fashion, which is a very heavy going Christian family. Um started off as you say very regular visits and then as people grow older, that number tends to taper off as so is the case with a lot of families. I I went to I went to like a, a very Christian boarding school mm-hmm. in mm. Germany, right? I went to a very Christian boarding school in Germany. Um, How Christian? Like, if, say, <laughs> I'm trying, I, I'm, I'm, just give me one, just give me a snippet of daily life that lets me know, like, oh, yeah. It, it was very, for instance, like, um, mass like off like you have a praise and worship mass praise and worship daily type you know what i mean like for lunch we go in like maybe every two days praise and worship but you're doing small groups you're doing bible studies at the bible studies at the dorms studying bible at school did y'all say grace before lunch in the cafeteria not like in high school musical where there's one dude standing on the table praying for everybody. Nah, not like that. But at, right. at dinner, we definitely did. At dinner, we definitely did. So this was a big part of, so, and y'all say great. So this was a big part of your childhood. And then when did it start to, when did it start to, did like, how deep did it get? And then when did it start to fade? And, and you know, this convo bar really, this is going to test our vulnerability and our honesty, right? Yeah. Um, it really is. But it's it's interesting because having moved around so much, I've I've been able to the, the big struggle that I had with, with Christianity and, and um, especially how it was explained to me in that institution and the subsequent ones that I've that I've then the ones that I that I grew up in is that it, it always conflicted with my 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 view on inclusivity of things, right? For instance, moving around a lot, growing up, living in different places, you pick you pick up things from from uh, the the Islam religion and see their dedication to how they prayer and cleansiness and what it means in order to be present because the the Haman is really a, a pre- is a that's a meditation that these people are doing right. It's a meditative practice and it has routine into it and it can get you into a, a flow of things. That's pretty cool. You look at Buddhism um, and what that means from internal alignment. So. There was always a lot, a lot of truths and things that I could identify with with many different religions, um, and how Christianity was presented in this very iron casket type of way, where there's no inclusivity. It's us or us or nothing. It's us or nothing, and that didn't necessarily correlate well, right? Um, which then led me to be in a place where I shed all. I, I wanted to. I wanted to shed all my understanding of what I've been taught about religion and a lot of that was christianity so by virtue i shed that and that just built up over time or was there a particular instance that like triggered that i would say it built up over time and and then there's there's many conversations like when i think back at it because it is a big part of my life right i'm, I'm a very i'm an extremely spiritual person i'm an extremely mm. spiritual person you know we 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 thank God all the time. That was my last Instagram post. Literally go on my Instagram post right now. It says, thank God for the waters. Thank God. <laughs> two gods, two posts. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but like, two thank yous. Two thank yous. You know what I mean? I'm extremely thankful like that. Um, 
but you know thinking back on was it a moment or one thing no it, it was a, a, a group a growing of things but one thing that always stood out to me is the inability to to understand the nuance of things for instance the, the question i had i said there's forests in brazil where no boat carrying a certain book has been able to make it there so these people are ignorant of the contents of this book and the the rules that it says you need to abide by in order to satisfy its requirements for happily ever after. Mm-hmm. <laughs> happily ever after is a wild way to refer to heaven. <laughs> yeah. But if, is it I'm not accurate, you. dude? It's accurate. That's just That's funny. That's how it's sold, bro. That's funny. Um. Yeah, and if those people have never gotten the Bible, or if those people have never been taught the word, do they automatically go to hell? And the, and the answer was, yeah, definitely. <laughs> they definitely go to hell. I was like, ah, you see, I can't get behind that. <laughs> I can't. can't <laughs> what do we draw the line? So, what about but, you? Uh, okay, I mean, so uh, similar, right? Uh, I grew up going to church every Sunday, like, getting dressed, church shoes, like earlier than you wanted to, missing Saturday, Sunday morning cartoons, um, to get in the car, go to church. By the time we were living out in the burbs, we were commuting all the way back to the city to go to our church because there's no way that grandmama was going to some white church. She wasn't feeling it. Um, <laughs> like experience right she, there, boy. <laughs> she wasn't leaving her congregation, no, sir, um, and her pastor. So that was... Uh, and we and we did that for years, for years, till I was like maybe 12, 13. Um, and then my it was it just it just slowly, yeah, just slowly faded. I don't know if my my folks just with the activities that me and my brother were were doing on the weekends as we got older, it just became too much to to do all of that stuff, drive us around to that, and then to get up and drive us to church. My folks started going to some churches that were closer out in the suburbs, but uh, it was hard to find a black one, like one that we connected with. Uh, and I wasn't really feeling their church. And they, you know, in a cool way, kind of respected my decision by the time I was 16, 17 to be like, mm, you know, because I was able to articulate that it was like, ah, I just don't feel it's not that I'm not feeling connected to God. I just don't feel connected to this church in the way that they are mad white and don't care about black people. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? We were, we were, yeah, man, it was, it was just, it just didn't feel like it catered to my needs culturally. Um, and they respected that. And I started to go to churches on my own, man. Me and my, me and my girlfriend at the time in high school, we started to go to church together, Smokey Norfolk's church, uh, on, that he used to do church in the burbs and in the city. So we used to go to his, his service in Bolingbrook. Uh, and I did that for a little bit, but as I got older, right, um, as I left for college and, and started to really be out from under my parents' household uh, and developing my own ideas about Christianity, I saw some of the things, some of the uh, ways that it conflicted with what I deemed to be morality and, um, like you said, right, excluding, you know, the LGBTQ community, uh, excluding people who had not been exposed to Christianity and damning them all to hell. Right. Um, but, but more than that, I just, I just started to realize, I started to feel intensely connected to, you know, whatever you want to call it, God, the universe, whatever you want to say is greater than us. And I just, and that the intensity of that connection and, and how, allowing that to guide my life in terms of what I decided was right. Um, my, my relationship with, uh, looser ideas like, like karma. Um, it was so, it brought me so much joy that I just like willingly let go of that attachment to church or any institution that was supposed to guide that journey and allowed myself to guide that journey. And I've just been happier. Right. Um, and I think I still think very much in terms of Jesus and, and you know, God as the father, the son and the Holy Spirit because of my religious upbringing. Um, and I still confront the aspects of that that I truly do and don't believe when like when other people bring it to me. But in my day to day life, I'm really just happy with my own relationship with the higher power and feeling like my purpose is to serve. Yeah, that's big. That's big. And I think 
particularly our relationship, right, met at that point where we both were on this journey and stumbled into into this this uh, let's say relationship with the universe, if you so will. And a lot of people that you speak to who are people are deeply longing for spiritual understanding, right? Which is why horoscopes are, are increasingly getting more popular, which is why mediums are, are increasingly getting more popular. Um, uh, there's say what you will about, about a lot of things, but there's also a lot of, um, there's also a lot of, uh, let's say Jesus complexes that you see a lot of people follow in terms of the different type of cults that are springing up in terms of different types of sects of religion that are breaking off into their own little into their own little specified pockets right like people clearly want a spiritual connection with things um I, it's just there's there's a few things in how this original version of things was now this original version of the bible was put out that can stop people from from jumping into that but speaking more directly about us right it was tapping into it was almost like finding a, a, a stumbling onto a secret of communication with the universe where first it starts with an ego death and you go, all right, cool. Let me realize that I don't matter. Let's, let's start from the basis, right? I, I do not matter. I'm in the grand scheme of all the nothingness that exists. I'm insignificant. That's a fact. Mm -hmm. I, not, not from there. What does, what does my interaction with that fact mean? Now that, now that, I am no longer the main attention of myself and I can open up myself to this vast amounts of everything else that's in the world. How do I engage with that? And what does that look like? And it so happens to seem that the pursuit of servitude and of kindness has been the most visceral reaction we've been able to get back from the universe, literally being able to speak things into existence just because you, you have that, that, that strong connection, right, with the universe, being able to understand, I, what does it mean to to pray in my own way? What does it mean to 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 go to church in my own way? What does and church as just a place of concentrated, um, intentful spiritual energy, a, pay, a a space of concentrated spiritual energy, and how do I practice that even if I'm not doing it in the traditional sense and um, continue to pursue knowledge of that type of spirituality? And so. I love how you said um, realizing that servitude was your gateway into that realm uh, because I definitely feel the same, man. I really do. Yeah, I mean, I, that was beautiful. Like everything you just said captured so much of that experience. I feel like we went through together, right? Um, we, we met at a time where these ideas were forming and kind of parsed them out uh, as, as, as partners, you know? Uh, and it was, in, and, and part of that journey was realizing like that, uh, there's little room to be prescriptive in that, right? There's little room to like tell somebody like, yo, yo, this is the wave I'm on. Get on this wave. That's how you get right, right? It's more like this is this is what, these are the tools the universe gave me, right? They gave me the understanding that I have. Uh, they gave me my, this framework and parents that created a support system for me that was built on their religion. Cool. Um, but now I have this, you know, this this soul brother, that's with me, that's willing to figure out how we gonna, you know, create a code for ourselves. Uh, and and all of that, right, created a created an environment where my search for meaning was very fruitful, right? Early, right? If we're talking about 22, 23, when we started to have these ideas early, I started to feel fulfilled, right? Mm -hmm. And people go a lot longer in life, a lot further in life, trying to figure, trying to find that fulfillment. And I've found that it's really, you can't give that to nobody and you can't even tell them you, you can be honest and learn to be honest about what fulfills you and what satisfies you and, and be willing to help people understand it and get on that wave if they want to, but you can't, you can't, can't make, no, you know what I mean? You, and, and, and that's, and that's the beautiful and tragic part of life is that everybody is, everybody's got their own to live, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you can't give it out, but like one, at least you can share the facts that you've been able to identify in your life, right? And for me, that is grounding myself in gratitude, grounded in gratitude. Like if things get shaky, look for gratitude and hold on to that as strong as, as much as you can, right? And then servitude and kindness, just servitude and kindness. Like it, it's crazy, yo, like 
you know, you think of all the things that we've tried to do in the name of just pure money, right? All the, uh, you know, we've, we've, we've tried businesses that have worked out. We've tried ideas that haven't worked out. We've thrown things at the wall that we've tried this podcast a few years ago and it, it didn't work out at all because it was just for content. But like the second things aligned with servitude, my brother, you, you like you, you're collecting, you, you're collecting, uh, employment and titles like it's a scheduled occurrence you know what i'm saying like just the the growth that you shoot up with when things are aligned with servitude is something that i don't think we could ever prepare ourselves for but we understand that i this whatever the greater ether and the greater being is when you align yourself with being able to serve others and practice that through relentless gratitude there will be a response that you get back and then all the things that like all the cliche things about life start to become true. You know what I mean? All, all the, all the cliche It's lonely at the top. It's, uh, <laughs> the, you know, all, all the heavy, the heavy, the head, all of those things exist in that reality because you, you're, you're moving through in accordance with like what the universe's path is, which is kindness. Big facts. And the yeah. biggest gift to me is like, yo, re- regardless of whether or not you can convince everybody that you found the way, if you if you're living your life and you're truly happy, allow that gratitude to run it over and give it out. Right. Allow how grateful you are and how happy you really are with your life to allow you to go the extra mile, to give people the extra grace, to to put bring forgiveness to the forefront. If you really feel like you found the whatever it is that satisfies and fulfills you, then use that to make sure that your cup is full so that you can pour from it. Hey, man, I think we done served these people up a hot, hot plate of content. As always, if you're watching, please do feel free to jump into the comments. We do be reading the comments. This is an open conversation. We like to engage with y'all. Thank you for rocking with us. I believe we can technically call this the most famous, <laughs> the, the most famous part of the show, man. Let's uh, let's get into record review. Ghana. Yes, sir. Drip season. Foe. Ever. Miles, I don't think you are P. You don't think I'm P? I do not think you're P. Um, I've asked around and Miles is not P. Well, I guess as long as I'm as long as I'm still with the with the people. I'm I'm the people for sure. I'll just just the P. I don't know what that part is. Uh, but I'm I'm for sure with the people. So if Bro, the people's I'm, P, I'm P too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm P2. <laughs> you're, you know, you're P squared. I'm P, yeah, for sure. Whatever. Do you remember P squared? I think P squared was the name of like the African, this African, uh, uh, this African music group back in the day. P squared. The whole bunch. Like there were, there were like three, four African songs that played continuously from like 2003 to like 2008. It was African Queen. <laughs> African Queen rang. Everywhere, nigga. <laughs> nah, I'm here for the history lesson. And P squared, P squared did a P squared did another one at the time. This is before, um, this is before obviously the the Afro beats take over, man. But uh, yeah, Miles, you're, you're P squared. Well, I I never I didn't come up with P squared. I came up with uh, Master P, uh, Pleasure P, and uh, you know what I'm saying, uh, T Pain. <laughs> my last and my last P entry is T Pay. Hey man, let's get into this into this into this uh gunner review. Yo, this is this is uh this is mad decent, yo. This is mad decent. Um if we can like give a little bit of background on Gunna, to me, I I was introduced to Gunna like very, very close to the time I was introduced to Lil Baby, and it was kind of introduced to me that like young thug. What had found or co-signed these two upcoming artists, Lil Baby and Gunna. And that was the next, that was the future of Slime. That was going to carry forward the particular sound that Thug and Future kind of have um, have uh, dominated in the game, right? 
Um, yes. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Gunna or Dirk? Or who's, Dirk? Who's who's ahead of the race? Dirk. Get out of here. Lied. Lied. Um. Yeah. DS forever. We're gonna, bro. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be real, right? And I'm and I'm a Gunna fan. When I first when I heard this, I, I ran I ran I ran the album, and I was like, nah, I, I'm really not feeling it, right? All the tracks that I went to, push and pee, like everything, like it. It bopped, but I wasn't feeling it at all. Then I texted the group chat. I hit the homies. I go, yo, say, is this gonna album trash? Question mark? Or am I tripping? Young Owami. Brother calls me. He says, bro, you tripping. What? Let me try it again. I tried it again. Ran it through the AirPods. Couldn't catch a wave. Hit up Chilla. Say, Chilla, I'm trying this gun album, bro. Am I tripping? He goes, bro, you tripping? He says, pushing P is a hit. You just don't know it yet. I said, ah, I ran it back again. Still didn't hit. And then I started to talk a whole bunch of smack on the group chat. This album is trash. This album is trash. This album is oh, trash. Oh, no. Whoa, 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 whoa. And since I've sent that message, every song that has been played out loud, <laughs> not in my airphones, <laughs> has been a song I've thoroughly enjoyed, man. And I think that speaks to that speaks to the mindset you need to be in to enjoy Gunner's music. Which is what? Faded. Faded? <laughs> Gunna is best taken faded, bro. All right. Well, I would argue that a lot of music that sounds good sober is still best taken faded. <laughs> Let's dig deeper. That was that was a, something I heard someone say. They say, think back on all your favorite moments listening to Gunna music. And I bet you it was like a vibe that you were in. Right. And it was like, yeah, it's it's music that's best enjoyed in a vibe setting. And that's where it bounces and rings off most, not in your headphones studying for exams. Well, I would say that even studying for exams is a bigger part of it than than even like the headphones, because you I mean, I haven't you know, you're the AirPods guy. But I've heard the way that I've heard you rant and rave about AirPods makes has given me the impression that some albums have been enjoyed thoroughly through those the, you know what I mean? That they that they that they can slap if they need to slap, right? Mm-hmm. So, but to your point, yeah, like some music is certainly not study music. This certainly I wouldn't I wouldn't put in the category of study music at all. Um, but it's interesting, like that you said a mindset because it could be different if you finish studying and you were feeling good and then you put it on, right? Which is exactly what I did. And really? Oh boy. And oh boy. <laughs> Really? Stop playing since. But I, but no, that's what I'm saying. Like when you when like it's different. If you put it on and then commit yourself to a task and let it run in the background, that's one thing. But then if it's like boom, I just finished. I'm about to hit the dough, get myself something to eat. I'm feeling good. That's a different vibe, right? And I think there is there's something to be said. And um, man, you know, rest in peace to Dolph, man. But this is this is what we said, uh, kind of about Dolph was. There's an important, important pocket of music that I go to when I need my brain to be able to shut off, right? Mm. When I need to be able to not think about um, the message or how it aligns with my thoughts or when I just want something to slap, those artists are important too. Uh, and Gunna is firmly, firmly within that category, right? Yeah, definitely. Definitely in that category. Um, and... I think if you're listening to this in the wrong setting, you could, I could see how somebody listening to it in a different setting would be able to say like, I know this album is mid. It doesn't slap as much. Um, A lot of the arguments is that this album is not particularly better than uh, Gunna's last offering, um, which was Wanna. Wanna was, you know, Addy was on there. Skybox was on there. Um, A whole bunch of, a whole bunch of hits on it. But then nevertheless, maybe this is music to grow to, but it's it's cool to see it's cool to see Gunna still be able to encapsulate the vibe as much as he does. I mean, we're talking tracks like I don't know that bitch with G Herbo. I mean, like that that's a, a certified certified banger. You know what I mean? Um, and if I'm getting into some of my favorites off of the album, we're talking Pushing P, of course, Poochie Gown, uh, that 25k jacket that definitely does the business as well. Um, all in all, man, there's a uh, Maybe if I had to compare it to Wanna, I'd, I'd stay. I'd, I'd say it doesn't. It doesn't stand up for me. The best Gunna album is Drip or Drown Two, 
Um, but nevertheless, man, there's a lot of music on here that one can can enjoy throw into the background. You know, when he's around some ladies. Hey man, I feel you. I feel you. This is uh you know, I I I I dug this project actually. I thought I've looked to Gunna as like when Gunna first came out, I was like, oh man, like I see Lil Baby, that's cool. And this was kind of before, like, they differentiated themselves in the way that they have now. But I was like, I see Lil Baby, that's cool. But I'm more interested in what, if Gunna decides to push his music artistically, that could go to some really interesting places. Um, and it actually hasn't, I actually, since then, I really haven't been as impressed as I expected to be with Gunna's efforts. Uh, until and then and until yeah, dripping down two is decent. Our Doug wanna, I really thought he hit the mark he was going for with wanna, and this feels polished to me. This feels like somebody who has spent a few years in the game, uh, around the little babies, has seen you know Fabio Foreign and Pop Smoke and that sound, has seen the Takashi's, has seen Bobby Schmurda, has seen all of the guys that have been able to put together records that really take off, and has been able to incorporate that sound and and the modern sound and and adjust to it in a way that keeps him in the conversation right uh even if there are things that i feel like the other guys are more unique other guys have created you know something that i feel like has a bigger draw to be in the conversation with some of the hottest artists and to be able to make their mu- elevate their music still be a in demand feature um still be able to compete with other artists like future drake Young Thug on tracks, uh, I think is incredible. And I think he's performing it to the best of his ability. Uh, And I think that means the maximum longevity for the type of music he makes. So good for him, man. Uh, He said this is the end of the slime or the the drip um, series. So I'm interested. I hope that means maybe in a different direction artistically. Be interesting to see what comes next. This is a solid three out of five for me. Um... There are certainly songs from this album that I'll go back and put next to all the slaps from the biggest albums of last year and what comes next this year. Uh, as a body of work, it's not super impressive, but there's some entertainment there if you like hip-hop that slaps. 3.5 mics, gonna drip season forever. If you're saying that there's room for him to be more creative and you wanted to see him be more creative, um, what are we asking from these artists, right? Like, What more creativity can Gunna put into his work um, that would convince you of the type of growth that you expected from him. So what? So what I was saying is that when he first came out, I thought that his style had the more, had a lot of potential if he leaned into being creative artistically, right? In the same mm-hmm. way that we've seen Thug do, like um, albums that aren't afraid to take a more melancholy or mellow sound and just drench it in sauce right i always thought it would be interesting to see gonna pick beats that couldn't easily have baby or dirk or the other his expected peers on them um and he has done that to some extent uh, to a to a decent extent in a lot of his albums it just hasn't produced the effect that i initially thought so i'm not criticizing him for not being creative enough or not trying things i actually think he has gone away from that and this or has done that and this is him kind of coming back to what works and what's polished and what he does well um so i'm not criticizing it i'm just saying that my initial projection of him being him being able to further the sound that I think Thug gives us glimpses of might have been wrong, but I think he's still bodying it for what he is. When people say that, it makes it it almost makes you frustrated that Future isn't as appreciated as he is, as he's supposed to be, right? Because like if you what you're explaining is like the Hendrix album with Future, right, where it was literally like just gang gang love songs. Um, Straight up, up and down, like in obviously in a in a very futuresque way, but definitely taking a step back from the the evil that he put out the year before that, or even bouncing off of what a time to be alive. You know what I'm saying? So just off of um, just off of what future does is exactly what we want our almost their artists to do, but no one almost wants to give that that type of a uh, that type of nod, you know. But that's and that's the dilemma: is do you do you continue to go this route where you're putting out the bangers and putting out exactly what the people want to hear and keep climbing up that way? Or do you do dope things that your niche and only your core audience is going to appreciate and then have everybody else jack that swag 
and you are left unappreciated. But it's interesting, right? And Future is a great person to bring into this conversation because Future is actually, I feel like, the reason that gonna I would I had kind of hoped would do a little bit more to differentiate himself on the creative side. Because when you're making a very particular type of music and there's somebody that the industry can point to above you, like a Future, that's more of the whatever you want to say, the godfather of this sound or the originator of this sound that's still active, you have to do a lot, right? If you really want to etch out a legacy for yourself, if that, especially if that person is as active as Future still is, right? So I'm giving Future that Future looks his best when he's compared to his sons, right? Future looks best in the conversation when you're comparing him to the other people that do a similar thing to what Future does. Um, and so I want to give him that, those flowers. And But when you talk about the people that are under him, yeah, what are you going to do that sets yourself apart from Future and Thug and the other artists that people are going to always lump you in with? Who's that number three? Um, baby. Travis Scott. Ooh, Travis Scott. Travis, I'll take Travis Scott over Baby. Yeah. Baby's doing a little bit more of a pure rap thing, even though he's 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 making hits with the guys that do a little bit more of the saturated auto-tune production um, he's he's baby is really rapping. Hey Amen. And uh, three and a half mics out of this baby review. Please don't forget whatever it is that you want us to review, whatever it is that you want us to check out. You let us know. We love to see the conversations going on in the comments section of the YouTube videos. Uh, we're rocking with y'all. We appreciate the support. We appreciate the love. Also going on to our SoundCloud. Familia, be sure to be able to get them comments going, engaging those playlists. Yo, we're giving you playlists to be able to impress your woman with. We're giving you playlists to be able to throw on in the back and be able to get jiggy and host a party. You want underground hip hop? What you want? What you want? Underground? You want Afrobeats? You want new school? You want eclectic? Well, we got that. I can't even front. Y'all need to tune in to the playlist, yo. Matter of fact, y'all, I ain't even got to say too much. Put one of them on. That's right it. now, you know what I'm saying? No, get to the audience. Yeah, everybody. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, not yeah. you, no, right? right now. Now. <laughs> stop, stop the show. The show's done. The show. The show is done. Tell everybody stop. else, yo. Everybody else, man. Everybody else out there. As soon as you, as soon as you tune out of this, go jump to the SoundCloud, find one of them playlists, put that on. It will speak for itself. We are curating the vibes. We are curating the content for your cranium. We do that because we know. We know. We are aware that you could be anywhere in the world. We are grateful that you are anywhere and everywhere in the world, man. Our, our audience is amazing. Uh, but y'all are tuned into us, and we appreciate that so much. So much like the airline, make sure that you get a warm towel, you know what I'm saying, and some nuts to go with your flight, a little beverage. We got to make sure that we curate the playlist. We got to make sure that we curate the art. We got to make sure that we curate the content. More improvements, more growth coming soon. More titles coming soon. More celebrations coming soon. That's what we do. We celebrate celebrating. We celebrate life. We celebrate how good it feels to be black. Don't it feel good's way? I love it. Favorite thing in the world. Do in no small part two. Sydney Poitier, rest in peace, man. Rest in power, brother. Uh, we strive to fill some 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 big shoes uh, now that you're gone, man. So uh, with that, man, we got work to do. It's hazelnut and chestnut. We out. Eat something delicious. Hug somebody you love. Peace. Water. We gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. I get that. But is we live, though? Is we like all the way live though? You heard?